Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Newsworthy day across the NFL. OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine live in Nashville each and every day. We've got you in the afternoon from our 6th and Peabody studios and across uh, our great radio partners as well here on the Outkick Network. Crew's all here, and every Tuesday at this time, we're joined by the Hall of Famer, John McClain, who joins us to talk all things NFL. And uh, no lack for meat on the bone today. John, great to have you back on this week. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing very well, guys. What a news day, not just the last two days, really, with the NFL Major League Baseball trade deadline. Don't you wish the NFL trade deadline yeah. was like baseball? Can you imagine? And it's, of course, you guys get to talk about it. I only get to talk about it here. But, uh, yeah, with uh, Stephen Ross, that kind of was a bombshell. Nobody uh, was anticipating it where we all were anticipating Deshaun Watson. And I think probably about 80, 80 to 90 percent of us thought it was too lenient. Is the timing of it peculiar at all? Did they drop this to get us to stop talking about Deshaun Watson? Well, first of all, it's not going to get people to stop talking about him. Now, if they don't uh, appeal, if Goodell doesn't appeal to Goodell, then they're going to get blasted more. Roger Goodell doesn't care. You make $68 million a year, you can take any slings and arrows from any direction, but there'll be an outcry because to think that uh, Calvin Ridley got a season for betting, what, $1,250 using his name, DeAndre Hopkins had just a trace of an illegal substance in his system. He got six games. It's History is littered with people that got, that got uh, as much or more than Deshaun Watson, even though his case was unprecedented in the history of sports at any level. And, you know, when you read Judge Robinson's opinion, you're like, you're reading it. Wow, she's tearing him up. Man, she's just killing him. He must be gone for, oh, only six games? Wow. John, I, I want a two-part question here, and I want to start with the system that's in place based on the collective bargaining agreement where both sides agree to the independent nature of how this went about. Uh, which was different than the, the previous CBA that was in place where Goodell was the judge, jury, and executioner from the jump. Um, do, you, do you agree? M my thought is whenever the NFL's looking at this, they're thinking, okay, if there's an appeal process, it goes before Goodell, and the player or the NFLPA will be the one appealing the judgment from the judge or the independent person that's overseeing the case. They... You think I'm, I'm crazy to think they never expected in a situation like this that they'd be appealing to themselves? Well, I think when it was set up, 
Of course they knew they were going to appeal to themselves. Why the players agree to that, give them a few more days off in the offseason and have practices that are easier, and they agreed to it. And why they let Goodell be the final word on anything like this is beyond me, but they did. And really, you know, the one reason, the only reason I can think of is that he would not appeal it and extend it a couple of games would be because it's Judge Robinson's first time. And I think he wouldn't want to look like he disagreed with her, even though almost everybody other than Browns fans are disagreeing with her. He wanted a season. He wanted indefinite. And it's only six games. So, And, and you, it's because of the quote-unquote nonviolent nature that she didn't throw the book at him. But it's like somebody said, if she was in the room with Watson, she might think differently about that. But uh, it's a process that's just been agreed on in 2020. And if he cons- undermines her, uh, people are going to question the process. It's almost like a no-win situation other than Deshaun Watson. And if he doesn't extend it, it means Watson got another happy ending. <laughs> I, I saw that tweet yesterday, which was amazing that you uh, that you uh, posted at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, the second part here, Goodell's in a, in a tough spot because if he – so you mentioned extending it for a couple games or whatever it might be. I think if he if the league decides to appeal and it goes before Goodell, they are deciding that Watson is playing this year while they while the NFLPA and Watson sue the league for coming back over the top in a mega way. I, I think the only way you appeal it is to set the future precedent. And there's the only way to do that, in my opinion, is to go all in and be extreme the other way, where you come back with indefinite suspension. You know it's going to go then to an appeals court, which is going to allow Watson to play, but so be it because you're setting future precedent for suspensions of this nature. If you're not serious about really setting that tone, then to me, you go along with Judge Sue Robinson and how the process played out because the one thing we can't say is that it was an independent judge overseeing this which is what both sides agreed to in the first place. Always knowing that Goodell has the final word. And it's interesting because uh, federal judges are going to kick it back to him, say, hey, you bargain this. You know, it's your problem, not ours. And so those that takes forever. So then maybe his suspension goes into effect next season yeah. when he's making, what, $45 million dollars? And that would hit him where it hurts. And then the Browns would redo his contract again. You know, it's it's amazing. I, as as someone who's been through this from the get-go, I thought, sure, he'd get at least eight games for a while. I thought it would be a season. Then when the ju- Judge Robinson said the league wanted an indefinite suspension for a full season at least, and I thought, man, it's going to be more than six. And I understand her reasoning, but call it egregious, and, and I mean, the things that she wrote about Deshaun Watson were incredible. She just eviscerated him, said he did it for sex, not for therapeutic reasons. He went in thinking about sex and then to only give him six games is outrageous. What's, John, been the reaction in Houston, a city that saw the best of this guy, uh, both on the field and off the field before the scandal came out? 
and where you know this has been a hot as hot a topic as as anywhere and where he sat out last year while he was healthy while this whole thing hung over his head Paul uh going back to the first day of practice on Friday people because everybody's anticipation of her ruling people talked about it all through camp like like oh look at that throw to Davis Mills hey I wonder if uh, the judges ruled anything yet and getting on their cell phones to see if there's any news and then of course when it came out Yesterday, that's all anybody was talking about. Today, that's all anybody was talking about. Uh, and it is a hot topic, as you can imagine. The Texans play him in December the 4th. And people want to know, will he be playing the Texans in NRG Stadium? And right now, he will. And I'm guessing even if Goodell extends it, he will. And that'll be the biggest regular season game the Texans have had since the first game in franchise history when they beat the Cowboys. John, if you're the NFL and you're just trying to not step in it, everything's going great from a financial standpoint. Your league is in a, in a great spot. You just don't want to step into a PR nightmare. Why on earth would Roger Goodell want to involve himself when he's got an out now where there's a third-party person who has done criminal justice for a living, putting out the fines, putting out the suspension, everything else, why would Roger Goodell want to then step in on top of that and take away from that ruling? Is it power? Is it trying to lean into something that's going to get a better response from media if he goes harder on Deshaun Watson with this? What would compel him to appeal this? Because it'd be the right thing to do because Six is incredibly lenient. For a guy that had 66 women massaging him over a 17th month period, and it wasn't just 25 that filed suit. There was others that came forward and said he did, but they didn't file suit, which makes me think he bought he paid him money. I'm wondering how many did they did he pay money not to file civil suits? And the NFL has this information. And here's another thing. I heard a thing this morning on. I can't remember what network I was listening on the way to training camp. And somebody said, this was a national guy, that the owners might just want it to go away and focus on football. Owners want to do the Haslam family any favors whatsoever. The owners are angry at the Haslams because that $230 million guaranteed contract, they're not going to do them any favors. And maybe some of those influential owners, and they are Goodell's boss, saying to him, hey, bud, you need to give him a few more games. That's not enough. And then the union, of course, argued it's there are different standards for players and owners. And I'm sure they used Bob Kraft as an example. Well, Bob Kraft, his deal was with one, one place, one woman. And this is, you know, as I mentioned earlier, unprecedented in the history of sports. They're not the same case. And Goodell doesn't care about a PR nightmare. He's already got one. And every time this sounds terrible, but the NFL is in the news constantly, whether it's positive or negative, and it gets people's attention. And all those advertisers see how many people are checking out the NFL, even if it's bad. And these things like, Watson, can you imagine how many people have been listening to you guys, watching you guys, uh, reading when I was writing for the Houston Chronicle, the columns I did so often. And I, so I don't think there's any, there's no PR nightmare. The NFL couldn't overcome unless 
It was tanking. Yeah, bottom line is more people are going to watch the Cleveland Browns now when Deshaun Watson comes back, and it's only going to help the NFL in the long run. And that's not necessarily the right thing. And I don't disagree with you, John, that it may be the right thing to do to give him more of a punishment. But what Roger Goodell is paid to do is to do the right thing for the NFL and all 32 owners at all times. So I'll ask it to you this way. What's the right thing to do for the league and harmony with the NFLPA and moving forward towards the season right now? Would it be to appeal and add on to that in terms of all teams, or, or would it be to sit back and allow this to happen from the league perspective? The easiest thing to do would do nothing. Take all the criticism that's coming now, and then Watson walks away the week regular season starts and he disappears for six weeks and then everybody, all eyes are going to be on him again in anticipation of him coming back and playing the Ravens and the Bengals. I would imagine that Stephen Biscotti and Mike Brown, the owners of the Ravens and Bengals, are saying, Raj, give him two more games. <laughs> no how, doubt. How much do you think a new precedent is important to him? Like, is he still in the business of wanting – to handle personal conduct and to be the driver of that. And if so, what she relied on here, despite like what you said, you're reading it and thinking, whoa, she's going to lay down the hammer here. And ultimately she says, I've got to rely on the precedent that's out there. And the precedent is six games. Uh, the next person then is going to rely on that precedent. If, if he wants, if the league wants, that to change, the way they can do it is for him to overrule that, set the new precedent, fight it in court where they generally win, and, and get a new precedent set for her or whoever takes her role the next time. Where do you think that ranks for them in importance? I think public opinion is always number one. What do the advertisers think? What do the networks think? Well, we know what CBS thinks. They want him playing. We know what primetime ESPN, NBC, they want him playing, and they pay the freight. So I think I think this, Watson showed no remorse whatsoever. That Haslam's had a release talking about how remorseful he was. No, he wasn't. He said in a news conference, he had no regrets. He didn't do anything. He didn't hurt anybody. He didn't do any of the things he was being accused of. And a lot of times when people hand down decisions, they want him to show some regret and some remorse. And Watson is yet to do that. And he's going to get hammered when he does his next news conference and say, hey, you said you weren't going to get counseling because you didn't need any and you're getting counseling. And all these things are said about you. How do you respond? I think they'd be better off saying he's not going to talk about it. But right now, I think from a football standpoint, of course, people want to say play unless you play the Browns. But from a moral standpoint, and what he was accused of doing and what she said he did, to me, he just got off really light. We will uh, pick back up with uh, Watson and the decision that the NFL has to make over the next day and a half on whether or not they're going to appeal the ruling from Judge Sue Robinson. We'll get into that. We'll get into uh, the games missed currently by Deshaun Watson and uh, the schedule makers doing the Browns a favor with the, the schedule itself for those first six games of the season. Then we'll switch gears and get into today's news with the Dolphins and the punishment handed out there. There's a lot to discuss with John McClain as we continue on OutKick 360.
You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we continue with John McClain, who joins us weekly at this time. Outkick 360 rolls on. So, John, uh, I'm with you and I hear you on that the other owners are not happy with Haslam and the deal that he gave to Watson and all of the stuff going on. But by appealing this and then ruling, my guess is, and, and I would, going back to what we discussed, I would go heavy on the suspension if I'm Goodell to set future precedent, even if... Uh, they're going to sue. They're going to sue if they tack on more games, which, if I'm another owner, would put Watson on the field this year. In my mind, it would be similar to the way Brady sued the league and played that year while they wait on the legal process to play out in an, an appellate court. I mean, do the, do the owners want Jimmy Haslam's quarterback playing week one through likely the regular season and what would be a, a pretty talented team as is plus putting Watson in the mix certainly makes things interesting for Cleveland that has more than just regular season aspirations with him pick up there on what the owners may think if he's playing week one which is what they risk by appealing and then they just knock him out eight to ten games next year in his second season when he's going to make 45 million instead of like 1.5 and uh I think that Others would encourage them to suspend him more because they do need to set precedent. And uh, I can't imagine any owners telling that's enough. They got most of them got their own problems and they don't, they're probably tired of (laughs) hearing about Watson just like everybody is. And the thing about uh, the owners are certain owners that Goodell listens to more like Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft, uh, Stan Kroenke, some of those guys, Mike Brown, that the guys that he's the Rooney family, Art Rooney Sr., those are junior. Those guys are his confidants, and I think they will give him what he would consider valuable advice when he makes the decision. And they're the ones not going to get repped when he keeps it at six. He will, but when that's what he's paid all that $68 million for yeah. is to stand there and take the bullets for them. John, let's look at the schedule. The first six games as it stands right now, Watson's going to miss. They open up at Carolina, home against the Jets, home against the Steelers, on the road against Atlanta, and then home against the Chargers, followed by another home game against the Patriots. Right now, October 23rd, week seven, is when Watson would be allowed to play a regular season game. He could, of course, return to the facility after week three going into week four. But it, it's not out of the question to think that the Browns can go a five, a three and three with Brissett with that schedule and be squarely in the mix going into to week seven, only having played one division game. They can win. They can still win the AFC North regardless of the suspension and as it sits right now without Watson. Keep in mind, they got a great running game. 
got a good offensive line. They got good enough receivers. They got a lot of talent on defense. They're going to run. They'll do like the Titans, run, run, and run some more. And they tell Jacoby Brissett, just don't lose it. Run the ball, do whatever you have to do. Brissett is experienced. He's played in different systems. A lot of time they've told him just manage it. You don't have to win it. So, of course, they can tread water there. But the one I'm most interested in, of course, is the first one in Baker Mayfield. And if they can get fired up enough in Matt Rule's third season with the Panthers to pull an upset in the first game. And think about Watson coming back. Remember, he hadn't played since 2020. I think people would be foolish to expect him to just come off a suspension when he hadn't played since uh, the first week of January in 2020. 21 and expect him to be great. He could be playing when he plays that first game at home. I get, think it's against Cincinnati. He can have incredibly bad weather. And I don't mean snow and cold, just bad wind. He played a game there in 2020 in which the wind and rain were so bad. They evacuated the stadium. Fortunately, it was during the pandemic. So they didn't have to do 72,000 and he couldn't throw the ball five yards. Baker Mayfield couldn't throw it three. So he really struggled. And when he eliminated Cleveland right off the bat, while I was writing and talking about he did that because he has one game he's played there, and it was terrible for a quarterback. And so uh, I think it would be unfair to expect him to come back and play great right away. So there's no guarantee they're going to win those first two games against the Bengals and the Ravens when he's back. 230 million guaranteed, John. I don't know if you heard. That does away with the wind. It's no longer windy <laughs> in Cleveland. Let's let's move on to uh, Miami, where uh, found guilty of tampering with Tom Brady and uh, Sean, Sean Payton. Um, Ross gets docked two big draft picks: a first rounder next year, a third rounder the following year, and then other stuff that doesn't seem so significant. Um, Suspended through October 17th. The poor guy can't go to his office, can't go to any league meetings until uh, the 2023 annual meeting, and he's fined $1.5 million, a huge sum for a billionaire. Um, but they're taking tampering seriously here, obviously. The, first, the, the, the two draft picks are significant if the other stuff isn't. Um, this send a big enough message to you not to mess around with, uh, with anybody who's under contract especially when it's a Tom Brady, Sean Payton caliber person? First thing I thought about, should there be some kind of penalty for Brady and Payton when he comes back? If they were talking to him illegally, especially Brady. And I haven't seen anybody bring that up. The fact is, uh, Don Yee, Brady's agent, was talking to him. So um, I wonder how Mike McDaniel, the new coach, and Tua talking about Lowell Phil, knowing that your owner didn't want you, he wanted Brady. And he didn't want the new coach. He he wanted uh, Sean Payton, and I don't blame him. We wouldn't like to have Brady and uh, and Payton. And they, it's so funny. He's delusional. Ross is saying that he was exonerated on all the charges of tanking. If you read the decision, he was not. But all the fines came from the uh, tampering, not the tanking. And so I think maybe the NFL didn't say yes. He tanked. 
They said they couldn't find anybody that said they knew it was serious because the last thing you want the public to think when you're trying to reap a $100 billion benefit over five years from gambling is something might not be on the up and up. Does this report help Brian Flores in his claim that he was fired basically because he refused to lose games? man, And the one thing somebody needs to remind Stephen Ross is you could have had Justin Herbert and you blew it and you took to a ton of Iloa. But I think, yes. Now, what I'm curious about, when Brian Flores and his attorneys went public, they said they had indisputable evidence that he was asked to tank. Well, where was the indisputable evidence? John, yeah. uh, do, uh, just going back to the tampering, do you really think that the Bucks didn't do the exact same thing in 2019? Oh, I don't have any idea. I mean, I, I think there I'm were sure at least three teams. It goes on all the time. It goes on all the time. It, it was, did it better. Well, uh, and without Brian Flores, Tom Brady's in Miami right now, and so is Sean Payton, and this doesn't get out. I remember Flores, when they showed Brady on the other yacht, that was pretty stupid of Ross to do that because then you brought somebody else into it instead of just keeping it between him and Brady and Don Yee. Well, and John, what's, Miami what's would have had to have the, traded for both, though. Would yeah, have cost but a lot. what's interesting in the report to me is that they acknowledge that he said the hundred thousand dollar thing. That that you know they they went to the extent of we we made sure to tell them that even if you're joking, if your intent is not, I'm actually going to pay you hundred thousand dollars to lose games. It's important that words matter when you're the owner, and you can't do it. I, so I'm reading all this and thinking, man, this. This helps Brian Flores' claim, not that Stephen Ross is racist, but that he was making it clear to everyone around the building that they needed to lose because their draft position mattered more than winning late in the season, even though it was proven the Dolphins didn't intentionally tank under Brian Flores. Man, they passed up Justin Herbert when they had a chance. Chad, like you're right. I think everybody around the Dolphins' office is probably chuckling, shaking their head like they can't believe that uh, – that they didn't get in more trouble. They got off easy. One thing to remember, didn't they give up five picks for Tyreek Hill? But I think they still have the 49ers' number one pick, which should be low. So they're not going to be totally destitute in the draft. Yeah, and, and the um, you know the 2021, there's two different uh, examples of the tampering. The one was with the New England Patriots in 2019. The most recent one was December of last year, whenever the discussions were about – uh, Don Yee and, and Mr. Brady is how they address him in this. Uh, after the 2021 season, he was under contract with the Bucks. Those discussions began in December, and they focused on him becoming a limited partner in the Dolphins and possibly serving as a football executive. And then if he wanted to play, they could explore that as well, the possibility of playing. I think it's pretty clear, as I read this, it had just hit me. This is how the news got out that he was planning on retiring. It came through Miami because he was about to become an executive in Miami. Um, and this was discussed in December, and the news got out in early January that Brady was retiring, I, right after he, he lost in the playoffs. I don't know if you made the same correlation, but I've, I've been trying for months to link this up on who leaked it. And to me, the, the leak came from Miami. And then he had to become a limited partner with Fox. And I think that uh, this all goes back to when Brady w was at Michigan and Ross is one of their biggest benefactors. 
And so obviously he's kept close tabs on his career, especially since he had to play against him twice a year while he was with the Patriots. And they're probably friends. You know, if he, Brady's yeah. going to hit on, on somebody's yacht and Ross is his doctor, they must hang out together. So I don't blame Ross in wanting Sean Payton, and I don't blame him in wanting Tom Brady. But if you break the rules, you know, you're going to pay the penalty. And the money is, is you know, Paul mentioned, that's, that's tip money for a multi-billionaire. It doesn't mean squat. The draft choices do mean a lot, especially since – they paid so dearly to get Tyreek Hill. You know, what are they going to do if Tua doesn't work? Then they're going to need to get another quarterback. Oh, let's package all these draft. Oh, we don't have draft picks to package. So this could have ramifications beyond this year as far as the Dolphins on the playing field. Well, Brady will be a free agent, so that saves him <laughs> trading. Yeah, then they can tamper with his Fox contract. <laughs> you know? And they, I don't know if they can match it. <laughs> you guys frankly. got some great lines. John McClain with us. Uh, uh, speaking, let's stay in Miami briefly. Uh, today, Miami Dolphins fans, they, they realize that their owner is trying to bring Sean Payton to town, which, by the way, they asked for permission after tampering. They did ask for permission to speak with him, and it was denied, so it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Uh, and now Payton can retire, stay out a year, and then go wherever he wants to. Uh, and Miami can give up a whoever knows what the the compensation might be uh, if if New Orleans uh, tries to stop it again, which they will. Point being, Dolphins fans are looking at this, going, "We could have Sean Payton and Tom Brady, Brady in some capacity, possibly playing." And instead, we have Mike McDaniel and Tua Tagovailoa. What what are they thinking? Well, first of all, if I'm them, I'm thinking, okay. Brady's great, greatest quarterback of all time. But, man, we could have had Justin Herbert, <laughs> who might become the best quarterback in the NFL. And the last – remember when John Gruden uh, went to Tampa, they gave up two ones, two twos, and eight million. And you can't trade first-round picks beyond three years. So I don't know what the Dolphins would do, but I'll guarantee you where he's not going. He's not going to Miami. Everybody's still going – Cowboys, because it's a done deal. And I asked some friends that cover the Cowboys what they thought Mike McCarthy had to do to keep his job, and they said go to the Super Bowl. John, it's uh, it's training camp horror story time of year right now. Uh, you get some very negative reports early on in training camp. The Giants are a complete bleep show on offense. Baker Mayfield is throwing into quadruple coverage and throwing multiple interceptions in camp with Carolina. Of all the things you read across the league, is there anything that comes to mind first that you actually pay a little bit more attention to than others this time of year with the stories that you've seen with some of the negativity going on with certain camps? Yeah, like my first training camp was 1977. And I learned a long time ago, don't pay any attention to what's happening the first week of training camp. And you'll see things, especially with a quarterback, like, oh, my God, he missed one practice this week. They went crazy here. The media did because Davis Mills had too many check downs. And I'm like, well, that's good because he's going to have a bunch of them during the regular season. He might as well practice them now. My things that I look for, I know some great stories about training camp throughout the decade. I just a player who would win 
they did two, three hour practices in camp in the heat and they were actually difficult. Not like today where they're patty cake, the guy take a Bible and beat on his knee till it swells. So he didn't have to <laughs> do two a days. And one time with the Oilers, uh, Mike Rozier running back, let a leopard loose on the rookie's floor and they're lucky all of them didn't get hurt. So I used to go on the road and they used to have fun at camp. I start paying more attention, Chad, when they start playing and don't not the veteran quarterbacks or veteran players, but rookies, especially the high picks around the league. I want to see how they're doing. I'm really interested in uh, Kenny Pickett, the only first round pick quarterback. I'm interested in Malik Willis because the teams I pay attention to the most are the Texans and the Titans. And then the other teams in the AFC South, I want to see what uh, if the Jaguars look like such a mess, even though they've got the antithesis of Urban Meyer in Doug Peterson. So I'm, I'm looking for the teams that changed a lot, not the teams that preserved mostly the status quo and also the teams that have brought in quarterbacks and are hoping to turn around their franchise. Quick, quick note on Willis, since he brought him up, he led a eight play field goal drive today for the Titans in practice and he moved the ball period. He threw one pass, completed. He ran for two first downs. The rest of it was run. He's swimming right now, as you would expect. Also, John, uh, you're going to have to wait on your, your Jaguars headline, at least from a preseason perspective. They've already told us that Trevor Lawrence will not be playing in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, and who knows? Nor when will actually, ETN. Yeah, nor, nor, yeah, that's right. And who knows who else, right? Um, uh, let's go back briefly. How did Rozier get the leopard to begin with? <laughs> He was out somewhere and there was a circus in town in San Angelo, Texas, way out in West Texas. And he met a guy and the guy was a, was a he had a leopard that he used in the circus. a great leopard guy, his name, was, cost. his name was uh, Cowboy. Of course. And so he talked to men. They go to the dorm. It's curf- right before curfew. At the end of every hallway on every floor was a common room with an old black and white TV and a bunch of chairs. And so they went on They went on the elevator, and when the doors opened, that trainer let Cowboy loose. Now, they had a muzzle on him, but the poor leopard was scared to death, just charged off the elevator, and I was one floor up, and I heard screaming, and I thought back then, I didn't know what was happening. I ran down flight stair, ran down the hallway. The players were screaming, climbing on top of furniture, doing everything they could, and they, Rosier told me what he'd done, and I ran back and dictated his story right on deadline, and I won an award for story on deadline because of Cowboy the Leopard. John took video with his cell phone, immediately got it out to on every social media. <laughs> Some guy named Cowboy that uh, had the leopard, but I, I love that story. So, John, uh, you, you know Warren Moon well, and if anyone knows about racially motivated ideas about the quarterback position and how it can affect one's career, it is definitely – Warren Moon. There's no doubt about it. He has come out and said that he believes the Kyler Murray contract part of this about studying is in in part racially motivated by the Cardinal by the Cardinals and how they view Kyler Murray, the quarterback. What did you make of that statement, knowing how well you know Warren Moon and his career? I've known Warren since 1983, and his first year with the Oilers was 19. 19- 84. And throughout my 10 years of covering him, I did a lot of stories about him in race because he experienced incredible racism in Houston when he came there and they were terrible and he didn't play well in 1984 and 85. And anytime I've wanted to someone to weigh in 
on race, I call Warren because I know it's important to him. And I can see how he would think that because he's always said, you know, the reason there are not more black quarterbacks, they don't think we're as smart. They don't think we study as much. They don't think we get as much out of it. Now, I think that's not proven true anymore because there are so many black quarterbacks. But putting that in there to try to get him to do more studying of game film is insulting to him and insulting to that organization that they couldn't get him to do it anyway. And so wisely, they removed it, but they sure took a big hit on that. Well, here's what I'd I'd like to know, John, is that, yes, he signed it, but was there any give and take with agent and organization in that clause? Or was it just, we're signing it, no problem, I do that anyways, and then later when it got out, it became an issue. I'd love to go back and hear whether or not they were arguing to take that out before they signed it and the Cardinals wouldn't take it out of the, the contract. Eric Burkhardt, who's the agent for Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, I'm sure he didn't want to put it in there. And if somebody asked Murray, why'd you sign it? My retort would be for 107 mil guaranteed and 231 mil overall. Would you have signed it? Yes. I also wouldn't have had an issue with it after the fact, even if people had a negative opinion of it. Uh, th- there's so many ways, John, I think the Cardinals and Murray could have handled this. They should be embarrassed. Well, the Cardinals could have just as easily said, it's no knock on him. The guy studies more than four hours. He's easily going to reach that. We're simply putting that in for every quarterback now moving forward. This is an Arizona Cardinals decision. It doesn't say anything about Kyler Murray. They could have easily deflected from it and said that. They didn't. They remained silent and let this thing build. And then Murray has to come out and defend him. So it just became a big mess. Oh, it was a mess, and it was an insult to Murray. And if they tried to put it in any other quarterbacks, I mean, any other contracts, it would cost them a lot of free agents. I know J.J. Watt never would have signed there if they tried to insult him like that. Well, the other possibility is that maybe there really is an issue that they see with his level of preparation, and now they're not going to say it because they don't well, want to. They don't want to second guess the guy they just gave all the money to and the contract. John, but if there's an issue with his level of preparation, what's four hours extra going to do for him? I've always heard while he works hard on the field, he works hard in the weight room, he doesn't study the game plan a lot or the way they want it. Like I think I saw something where he watches videos or something or plays video games while he's watching uh, tape, and that's not what they want. I remember here, David Carr, they didn't like his work habits because he'd leave early and go home and work instead of here studying with his teammates. And uh, But to put it in a clause like that, put it in a clause, in a contract like that, just makes them look terrible and him terrible because now first time he throws an interception and has a bad game, which he will because DeAndre Hopkins is out for six games and he struggled without Hop at the end of last season, then people are going to say, ah, he's not studying the game plan the way he should be. John McClain. Hall of Fame NFL contributor. You can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, thank you as always. Great to have you back on the show. We'll chat with you soon. Thanks. Jonathan Paul, Chad Lack, thank you guys very much. John sent me an insane story, too, that I can't even repeat on air. Yeah, I got it last night. That was unbelievably funny to read. So thank you for that, John. Um, Yes. (laughs) Thank you for that story (laughs) that I'm not going to talk about. Well, you can tweet it. I could, yeah. Maybe I'll do that. Coming up, we'll discuss A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel and the contract that A.J. keeps referencing. 
Plus, uh, there, there's another NFL issue that's being completely missed by the media because of everything else going on. And it's pretty big based on, if we want to use the word again, precedent that the NFL just recently used for this player. That's next on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Baseball great Kurt Schilling will join us in 10 minutes. Jim Lairitz also on today's show. Glad you're with us for OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. So the other potential suspension that's still sitting out there for the NFL is Alvin Kamara. And the precedent set there, they allowed him to play in the Pro Bowl. They let him play before he was arrested, knowing that the police were going to arrest him. Yeah. Um, how they handle that is going to be fascinating because the legal process, they have now kicked this can down the road a third time for his trial. And so he will not go before the court as it stands now, and they're likely to delay it again. Right now, it's been delayed another 60 days, which is well into the season. And the precedent set last year with how they handled Deshaun Watson was, he's not going to go on any list. And... We heard from David Culley, who said, if Deshaun Watson wanted to play, we would have played him last year as the head coach of the Houston Texans in studio with us after he was fired. The word on Alvin was six games, the, the prediction. Yeah. Well, which you would also fit right in line with that. And the Pro Bowl, they could effectively say, well, we're going to throw away the Pro Bowl anyway. I, I mean, it was ridiculous that they, they didn't allow, quote unquote. They can't say but anything. It's not the NFL. <laughs> just don't, they'll it's, just be silent on it. Well, I, the NFL as weaselly as it is, could say, wasn't up to us, it was up to the authorities. And I, I tend to agree with them. The authorities should have arrested him regardless of what the NFL said. You, if you have cause to arrest a guy, you go arrest him. You don't ask the NFL, hey, would you like us to arrest him before or after your game? I mean, how the hell does as, the NFL dictate the timetable of an arrest? As ridiculous as it sounds when Sue L. Robinson has to say there was no clearly defined rule about what Deshaun Watson was doing, and she's having to explain the definition of sexual assault the and everything else. Definition. But the league had no def, no definition of this being something that's wrong. As like you know, Deshaun Watson didn't know it was wrong or had to be. Yeah. I didn't know this was a problem, which is crazy when you read it. There's no um, there's no problem with saying assault, assault, right? They know exactly what this is. I mean, he stomped on a guy, so they sent a guy to the hospital. Uh, the precedent part of it, the precedent part was interesting with Deshaun Watson because she's saying th- there is precedent being set here because they're now putting in place a rule and we're trying to put in place a suspension for something we haven't seen before. This people, they see. People have beat up other people that played in the <laughs> NFL before. So I think this is going to be a little bit easier to levy a suspension. And this is felony to, battery that, yes. he was, uh, that he's going to trial for. There is apparently video evidence of this that will be shown at this trial. And again, the, the, they love video. the case the has been delayed until 
October at the earliest, but who knows? We're, we're, we're likely not seeing any definitive answer with him until 2023 at the earliest. But this is exactly the kind of case that prompted the league to take over player discipline ahead of legal findings. Felony yeah. charge, video evidence, clear that he did something, not wanting to wait on a slow legal system. This is what prompted Roger Goodell to change what Paul Tagliabue wasn't doing. A.J. Brown is still uh, thinking about the, the trade back in the, the, the draft. let go. Um, he's, he points out, basically all of us, he's saying all of us, all the receivers four that he's talking about, who got new money. Uh, well, the four that, in particular. That were mentioned around that time. Uh, that that wanted new contracts, the 2019 crew. Metcalf, um, Debo, and McLaurin. And A.J. Only one yeah, of them was four. traded, and it was A.J. He said, and you he, keep thinking it's me. And he, a, a Debo, Debo did ask to be traded, and the, the 49ers said no and opted not to trade him during the draft and signed him to a three-year extension worth I believe, or just over fifty million guaranteed. All roughly the same money. AJ said, "Look, well, did any he's of them got a point, to... but none of them were as belligerent about it yeah, as did, he was." Did any of them refuse to talk to the team during the negotiation at any point? It didn't get as sour for any of them as it got for him. As the fact of the matter, and they thought he was going to be a real problem. But Wentz and and Seattle quarterback situation and where am I forgetting? Washington. San Francisco don't have the same quarterback situation that the Titans have with Tannehill either in terms of money dedicated, and that's yeah. the other big difference. That was it. It came down to that. A lot of money exchanging uh, today across MLB with extensions, deals, trades. Kurt Schilling about to join us. DeGrom makes his debut tonight. He returns on the mound for the Mets. We talk with the pitching great next to lead off hour number three. Outkick 360 rolls on.